you're looking for homeschool sanity, welcome. I'm Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschool mom and curriculum author. But I was once so disorganized, I thought I had to quit homeschooling and stop having kids. Now, by the grace of God, I have six homeschool graduates. Whether we're discussing parenting, productivity, or practical tips, I pray that this episode is just what you need for happy, healthy homeschooling. Hey, homeschoolers. I was a stay-at-home mom when I started homeschooling. I did freelance writing and speaking and premarital counseling at my church, but I wasn't spending even 20 hours a week on work until my last two kids were teens. Because of that, I assumed that it simply wasn't possible to work and homeschool too. My guest, Dr. Celia Zamora, changed my mind. Dr. Zamora has a PhD in applied linguistics and was a teacher for 15 years before homeschooling her son. She is now a full-time director of a nonprofit who is also passionate about multilingual education and encouraging the Latino community to consider homeschooling. If you've wondered about working while homeschooling, prepare to be inspired by Celia. Celia, I am so excited to get to know you and to talk about our topic for the day, which is homeschooling and working at the same time. And I really want to jump right in. But before we do, could you tell us more about you and your family? And thank you so much for having me, Melanie. So um, again, my name is Celia Chimon Zamora. Um, I am currently the director of a nonprofit organization, which is called ACTFL, which essentially um, empowers and advocates of language educators and language learners to make sure that we are being raised and promoting a multicultural and multilingual um, country. Um, so that's kind of what I do. I am remote. So it really does help in terms of being able to kind of block off time on my schedule and be able to homeschool. Um, I am homeschooling my one and only son. He's nine years old. His name is Jude Francis. And uh, we live in Tampa, Florida. We lived in DC for 10 years and recently relocated almost three years ago. And I have been homeschooling him um, on and off for about four years. We did have a few months in between that we put him back in public school during our move because it was just a lot to try to figure everything out. Um, But that really solidified our decision to homeschool because when we put him back, we said, nope. And then we took him back out of public school and put him in homeschool again. Um, Yeah. And then my, um, both of my parents are retired and live with me and we are a multilingual homeschool family. And I, I like to think that we are, you know, the, um, some trendsetters because a lot of our friends that never would have imagined in a million years, um, that they would homeschool have really started uh, coming up to me and asking me, so tell me more about homeschool or what resources can you share? Because we kind of want what you have with your son. So, um, mm. so definitely leading the, the charge as a boss mom director and also as a homeschool mom and baseball mom too so all right well i love it so you mentioned that you put your son in school and thought nope we're gonna go back to homeschooling but what made you decide to homeschool initially 
Right. Um, so I was an educator for 15 years. Um, I had taught K through 16. I taught university. I taught public school, private school, everything. And then I had gone into this nonprofit. And of course, as with most people, my homeschool journey started off during the pandemic. My son was in <laughs> kindergarten and um how you know obviously halfway through kindergarten the pandemic happened so we started um what how it was happening in virginia was that the teacher would give us all of the assignments on monday and then we had the entire week to do them and then by friday we would turn everything in um i would sit down with my son to do it and we realized that everything was completed that same monday so all of a sudden we had Tuesday through Friday of not doing anything. So I started kind of, you know, using my educational background to, you know, create new things, make it more engaging. And then little by little, I realized that he was just going so fast that all of these things that, and mind you, I had never thought twice about what he was learning in kindergarten. I just figured, you know, like that's par for the course. Um, I was, I'm an educator. But then when I realized how fast he picked things up and it wasn't just because he was in a classroom with 20 other kids and a teacher and all of these, you know, uh, interruptions. But when we really had that one-on-one -on -one time, he read faster. He was adding double digits, subtracting. Um, so we started kind of realizing, hmm, I think that this might not really be working anymore. So we took the summer to just really do our own thing, teach him in our own ways. And then when first grade happened, we were all, I was already kind of talking to my husband about, I think that maybe we need to homeschool. And of course, we both come from Latino households where that's just not done. Like homeschool is not done in Latino households. So mm -hmm. it was really radical, um, that, that thought process. But then he was only in first grade for one week. Um, and again, I know that the teachers did the best that they could in a mm -hmm. pandemic and having to now do online schooling for first graders. But all I would hear is I would be working in the next room in my office and then I would hear him just tapping on his pencil or just sighing or rolling his eyes because they spent a good 20 minutes. The teacher would roll the dice and say two plus five. OK, so and so two plus five. And then the kid would answer six. Nope, it's actually seven. All right, let's go to the next kid. My son was already adding double, triple digits. Mm -hmm. And he had to wait 20 minutes for him to be called on to give a really quick answer. So when I was hearing that, I said, I think it's time to go. And so then that same week I pulled him out and we haven't looked back since. Um, we did have like that second grade when we moved down here that um, I thought that it was gonna be impossible me being a director because I had just gotten promoted. I thought it's gonna be impossible for me to be director and to homeschool him. So we're gonna have to put you back and moving. Um, that year, he regressed in everything that we mm -hmm. learned. I mean, he was regressing. He was starting to, I mean, there were a lot of issues. So at the end of that school year, we said, we're taking you back out. Um, and yeah, and that's it. And we asked him every year, do you, I mean, we, we always tell him, this is your journey. Do you want to continue homeschool? We sit down and we give him the pros and cons. Do you want to continue homeschooling? And he's the one that says, Absolutely, I do. I'm not stupid. I want to continue homeschooling. I don't want to go back. Um, so that's how that's how kind of the journey has been. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, I wonder, I wonder if parents, you know, besides the pandemic, I just wonder if parents would have had the same type of reaction if they had the opportunity to just see inside the classroom, focused on their particular child and what was going on with their child if they would have come to the same conclusion right. that you did. And I, I imagine that many would have. 
especially how things are now, I still keep in touch with a lot of my co my former colleagues that are educators. And in my current position, I speak to a lot of educators out there. And the things that are currently going on in the classroom, I mean, we have a national teacher shortage, which means that mm -hmm. classrooms are packed to the brim, or if not overpacked, teachers are quitting every week. Mm -hmm. um, there's, or they just have people that are not necessarily qualified to teach teaching. And so then a lot of these kids are coming. I mean, I had one mom tell me, one of the baseball moms tell me, my son is in two AP classes and he hasn't written an essay and it's January. Isn't that weird? Yeah, of course it's weird. <laughs> that is very weird. What, are, what you mm -hmm. know, but I just feel like right now they just want some warm bodies in the classrooms. Mm. Um, so I think that now more and more parents are realizing what's going on in their classrooms and how it's not okay. And then of course we see bullying and all these other things that are happening in the world that I think it's starting to make parents pay more attention than when we used to. Right. And I think what you just said right there is a good segue into what I want to ask you, which is um, if you are a working mom, however, I think, you know, your initial thought is going to be what yours was. Hey, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can work full time, especially full time and homeschool. So why do you think that working moms should consider homeschooling anyway? I think that as working moms, we balance so much. We have some skill sets that I think not every working parent has. Um, really, the the idea that we're balancing a full time career and everything that goes on at home and being the mom, which is tends for the most part tends to be like that go to parent for everything. So the fact that we can balance all these things show us that we're very good at organizing and balancing and really juggling a lot of things. So. I think you tend to prioritize the things that are important to you. Um, and of course, homeschooling as a full-time professional does come with sacrifices. So there are times that I would like to sit down and read my book after a long day, but I do know that I have to make sure that I'm on top of my son and making sure that things are getting done and that I have all of his evaluation um, portfolios done. And, and I mean, there's a lot more that comes into like the, the emotional um, and mental load. But I think that you prioritize what you want to prioritize. And as a working mom, what I see, um, I oversee um, a department of nine. And my husband is a director of engineering, and he oversees a big department as well. And what we see that are coming out of these public schools, people that don't know how to write an email, people that don't know how to organize their time, they don't know how to prioritize, they don't know how to make a task list, they don't know how to cook a meal or fold their laundry or be able to enact critical thinking. Everything is a lot of handholding. And in fact, my husband and I were talking about the other day that his, um, one of his managers um, said, I want you to micromanage me. I want you to tell me what to do. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not paying you to like for me to sit there and tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. But I feel like um, more and more school systems are, are just kind of spoon feeding and just kind of taking away that critical thinking aspect, that problem solving aspect, that resourcefulness that we all used to have growing up. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that as working moms, we can see what's currently missing and what's lacking in our workforce. And we can start teaching our children to do that at a much earlier age to make them so much more um, professional and to make them better advocates and to make them honestly better human beings. 
I know a lot of moms tend to think, well, um, how am I going to prepare him for college? Like, well, what is public school really doing to prepare your kid for college besides just regurgitating information and memorizing? My my nine year old can write better emails than most adults can because I have him write me emails back and forth, especially when I travel to update me on what he's doing for homeschooling. Um, I take a lot of the things that I do with my managers and with my staff and I do it to him in terms of his schooling. I give him a lot more autonomy and independence. So regardless of what career you're in, I think that you can you can develop a lot of those really great um, adulting tasks with your children that you're homeschooling. Of course, timing is going to be an issue, um, but I think that as working moms, we're already really good at balancing and at time management and prioritizing. So it might just take a little bit rearranging, but I think it's absolutely doable. Wow. I mean, uh, that was that was impressive. <laughs> that was just, I mean, really, uh, your passion for it. And it just, it was so logical. And I'm going to be honest with you and tell you what I think is a real um, impediment for a lot of moms who are working considering homeschooling and talking to moms like me who have never worked full-time. Now I did some, um, some writing, um, and speaking when my kids were young, but it was very, you know, PRN, like just as I was able to, I had a husband who worked from home who could help me do so many things. And I honestly just take a look at myself and my own um, my own, you know, my own issues, my own challenges, my own family. And I just think, well, there's just no way that I could do it. So other people wouldn't be able to do it either. And, you know, I think that's, that's unfortunate. And so I hope that you speaking on this podcast will help those of us who are like me, who think, oh, there's no way that I could work full time and homeschool my kids to stop and think, you know, people are are uh, gifted with different strengths, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're you're describing working moms as having a set of organizational skills, um, maybe being able to um, give out uh, assignments, delegate was the word I was looking for. They're yeah. masters at delegation, which I honestly have to say, I'm probably not as good <laughs> at that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I, I just love that you are saying, hey, you know, let's let these moms take a look at their strengths and their particular situation to see if it is workable. And you are a great example of how it is a possibility for some moms. So thank you for doing that. Well, but thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. I hope now, I mean, you've alluded, you alluded just really briefly to a potential issue of um, working moms also homeschooling, but I hope that you will now give us a little bit more of the real talk about the challenges that are likely to occur for moms who do this. Sure. And one of the things that I love that you said it was delegating, which I can't believe that word did not come out of my mouth because <laughs> it absolutely does. Um, one of the, before I get into that, that to answer your question, um, for sure, uh, a lot of moms say, well, there's, n I think the number one excuse that I hear is, I can't teach my son physics. I'm not good at algebra two. Mm -hmm. 
you outsource it just like you do at any job. No, no one person does every single thing at a job. And in fact, um, in, in Marriott International, Mr. Marriott always says that the reason that he was so successful as basically the owner and the president of Marriott is because he surrounded himself with people that knew more than him and outsourced and delegated. So where now we have things like outschool, we have co-ops, we have so many ways to supplement the things that we don't know how to do. Um, but in terms of the real talk, yes, it is very difficult, very difficult to homeschool and be a professional. Um, for example, right now I had to lock my door and put a chair under it because my son knows that when that door is closed, it means that I'm in a meeting. Um, and he knows that if it's locked, it means that I'm in an important meeting, but that hasn't stopped him from sometimes when I am with an important client having a Zoom call that he will put his little nail and then unlock it and then come in and say, oh my gosh, I got three stars in my Beast Academy test. Aren't you so proud? Or asking me, mom, why is it that airbags are no longer made with air and why are they still called airbags? Um, so that's definitely, you know, having boundaries is rough. And uh, I think another part is um, I am not a patient person at all. I like to say that my son has taught me patience as well as my husband uh, has taught me a lot of patience, but still patience is not one of my top you know, qualities. Um, so there are times, especially when you're raising a child that is 100% like you personality wise and being at home all the time, there is no break. Like I do sometimes mm. think about the fact that my friends get to drop off their kids and then pick them up hours later. So they have like that nice break to get stuff done and to just get a breather, especially right now in those preteen years when talking back and, you know, attitude is a thing. Um, I don't get that break. I am with my son from the moment he wakes up to the moment that he goes to sleep. Mm -hmm. So that is a double edged sword because I also feel like I am so blessed to have him for all mm -hmm. that time and, and the mm -hmm. amount of time that I get back to be with him. And in fact, I feel like our relationship is a lot better because he doesn't have like those negative influences that he would otherwise have. Um, but still, but it is a lot. It's a lot to be with somebody all the time. And I feel like there are more kind of like arguments because we're with each other all the time. <laughs> and I do want to say that, I mean, I feel like, again, the time management is so crucial. Um, if you are not a person that is good at organizing or meal planning or just having like a really good kind of sense of organizing period or scheduling, then this would be an absolute nightmare. Um, and I've always told my husband because he um, I have this thing called the remarkable that's kind of like a paper tablet where I have 900 agendas in there and I have meal planning and I have a calendar on our wall that has everything. And I told him, I've gotten this to the point that it's a very well old machine. But mm -hmm. if at any point I let it go for one day, everything's going to come crashing down because we have so much time organization and meal planning and this and this and that, that it's crucial for this. If, mm -hmm. if I wasn't really organized and if I wasn't really good at being able to prioritize and task plan, then this would not work. So I feel like having that, that constant back of the head of, you have a lot of stuff to do is, is definitely a drawback as well. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, you, you also just um, mentioned something that I wanted to ask you more about, like you said, meal planning. So let's say we have convinced someone to consider, at least consider homeschooling and she wants to give it a try. And she is a working mom before she 
goes for it and is all in, what would you recommend that she do ahead of time? And what I'm really talking about is you said meal planning. Well, I'm all about that. I think that is so, so important. Are there some things that she can do before she even starts in to the teaching process that will set her up for success? Absolutely. And Melanie, you're speaking my love language in terms of pre-planning. I have pre-planning, planning, and post-planning. Um, first of all, for sure, finding what you can outsource. I think we had just talked about the delegating and outsourcing. Finding what, who is in your tribe, who is in your community that can help you out, whether it's the grandparents, the cousins, the aunts and uncles that can maybe one day take your child or your children to violin practice, or that can maybe take them to the co-op so that you can get some stuff done in the class. Like see who your group is, who you can rely on. And it might not necessarily be time, but it could also just be even having them come in and maybe helping your children do like an activity while you get something done. So just finding who your group is and who you can count on and what that availability looks like. Apart from that, finding more things you can outsource. For example, for me, Instacart, has been such a lifesaver. And I know that sometimes those delivery fees and those tips are rough, but um, I sometimes do it where I just do my entire groceries online and then I put that I'll pick it up. And then on the way back home from baseball practice or violin practice or base or what, anything else, I will just pass by and have them put it in my trunk and then I go home. And that already saves me a good, what, two and a half hours of having to sit there and think about these things, as well as having... Um, Meal planning, I live by meal planning, especially because in this economy, it really gets the most out of your groceries so that mm -hmm. you're not wasting a lot of fruits and vegetables or things that go, you know, that get spoiled easily. So if you already come up with a good list, and I mean, the internet is just an amazing place, TikTok too, where they can tell you, here's how you can plan five meals, or even honestly, ChatGPT. If you tell ChatGPT or AI, the, my kids are picky, so these are the things that they won't eat. These are the meals that they like. We are a family of five. I have this much, this much budget. Can you please give me lunches and dinners that are very, very you know, healthy, nutritious, that follow these guidelines within this budget? It'll give you all the meal plans plus the recipes plus a grocery list. I mean, leverage, and that's part of outsourcing too. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, as many things as you can do beforehand to just maximize your time and using that time to for the priorities, which are spending that one on one time with your child and so forth is really good. I would also say that um, I used to do when I was a teacher, something called bell work, that when the students would come in the first five or 10 minutes of class while I was taking attendance and picking up homework, I would have them do some sort of independent learning. Mm -hmm. You can do that at home too. Start finding out the things that your kids like. For example, my kid loves puzzles and he loves Sudoku. So we have like a little morning basket where he knows for a fact that if I need 10, 20 minutes to just get my stuff in order or get coffee, then he can just go to that morning basket, pull out his Sudoku, keep working on a puzzle that we're doing once a week together. Um, we have a game of Scrabble that's perpetually on our table that mm -hmm. we it doesn't have to be a one sit down and do it like we know that we pass around and it can take us a week to finally you know finish scrabble but those are things that he can do independently that he doesn't need me for that buys me some time to be able to either get my my affairs in order get into a meeting and so forth mm -hmm. yeah that's that is very good um i just watched a video about chat gbt giving you <laughs> giving you recipes and grocery lists and I yeah. just 
what in the world? Uh, pretty impressive. Yeah. And uh, there are there are so many ways, I think, um, just kind of jumping off from what you said that I think you could tailor your schedule. I am continually amazed by the homeschoolers who interact with us on Facebook, on my Facebook page. And they say, you know, we start school at three in the afternoon or we do school in the evening. And I was just thinking, if you are working regular work hours, you could absolutely get your kids started before you go into your work day and get them, you know, teach them something and then get them doing independent work. I do think that there are a lot of creative strategies that can be used to help you. But I'm hoping that you can give us even some more tips for how how do you save your sanity when you are a working homeschool mom? I just did a whole um, article on self-care and the importance of self-care. I mean, do you make time for self-care, for example? Absolutely. So one of the things that I've started doing, and I think you can see in the back of my wall, is I started running marathons um, and started uh, running half marathons, 5Ks, 10Ks, and full marathons, just because it was the one time that I was 100% interrupted. Um, that I could go out very early in the morning and my husband and I do it together. So we wake up at five in the morning and we just run. And, and originally it was listening to music. Then it was listening to podcasts, including yours and all the homeschool podcasts <laughs> would be during running. And then it was audiobooks. And now I find myself sometimes running in silence because mm -hmm. it's the only time that I don't have a Zoom call, a Teams call, my husband or my son calling me. It's just <laughs> myself mm -hmm. with my thoughts. Um, mm -hmm. I have made it a point this year um, to at least give myself half an hour of reading a day. And I mm -hmm. like that I have it, a little habit tracker that I actually check it off because it's very easy. And mind you, the books that I've been reading, for example, the one that I have right next to my desk right now is a homeschool book, um, a successful education. Um, but I also like the fact that instead of being on TikTok or instead of doing something else, like being on my phone, I'm forcing myself to spend half an hour reading on something that fills my, my heart, fills my mind. And I think that one of the best books that I read were The Four Agreements. And that is where I think that the biggest thing that keeps my sanity is the question that I always ask myself is, is what I'm doing control or is what I'm doing care? And that's really helped me reassess a lot of my controlling tendencies. Because again, as a type A, overachiever, super organized mom, professional, um, I, I think that a lot of things were very controlling that I would do. And that would cause a lot of angst or a lot of arguments. So I've started to ask myself, is this care or is this control? And I found, found that, that a lot of times it was control. So I would let that go. And it just mm. saved me so much angst and so much yelling and so much arguing because I let things go little by little. And that has just made a lot more, a much more peaceful house. So I think that has also saved my sanity a lot. Wow, that is great. I'm sure you could give us a lot of examples of just different things that you have found through experience, trial and error that have helped you. Um, I'm sure we all could. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's what homeschooling is really all about. So if you are someone who is just considering it, um, I just want to kind of harken back to you saying, oh, I'm not a patient person. Well, I wasn't either, but homeschooling has taught me to be patient. 
Yeah. And I would never have become more patient had I not homeschooled. I would have continued to be very, you know, probably short tempered and, um, and, and like you more controlling. Um, so I, I really appreciate that you were sharing that. I wanted to get back to something you talked about at the beginning when you were introducing yourself. I know that you are passionate about Latino families in particular considering homeschooling. Do you think that they have any misconceptions or fears about homeschooling that keep them from considering it as an option? Absolutely. So first we have um, one of the main things is the language barrier, especially for immigrant families like myself. Um, I am a first generation immigrant from Venezuela. Um, so I feel like a lot of parents, first and second generation that come to this country, their main focus is getting their kids to assimilate to the country as best as possible. And homeschooling does not necessarily mm. check off that box of assimilation. Like you're, that's already something off the grid. So right. that's not necessarily fitting into the mold. Um, also, I find that the stereotype tends to be that for BIPOC communities, um, when you go off the grid, you tend to have a much harder time in terms of regulation and oversight. And so then if mm. someone else does it, it's like, wow, you're so brave. You're so amazing. Whereas if mm. somebody from the BIPOC community does it, it's like, well, you're clearly neglectful. You don't know oh. what you're doing. Um, so when I've talked to other homeschoolers, homeschooling families or people that have thought about homeschool, when it comes to like anybody in the BIPOC community, it tends to be with a lot of distrust. However, we have seen that, especially for BIPOC children, public schools are not necessarily great for them either. They mm -hmm. tend to be uh, the ones that fall through the cracks a lot more. They're the ones that tend to be bullied or face a lot of microaggressions. Um, so I kind of go back with them and say, well, you know, what is your child really losing out of being in a public school anyway? that you're, you're so afraid of. So I think that there have started being a lot more groups of, um, I know that there's a group that I'm part of called Melanated Homeschoolers and mm -hmm. Latino Homeschoolers that are really trying to bring more awareness to the fact that yes, we might be a small group, but we're here and we are moving forward with it. And one of the things that I love about Latino Homeschool is there's a term that I use for my research when I got my doctorate at Georgetown, um, my whole research revolved around something called heritage language learners, which are kids whose first language is their target is their original language like Spanish for example in my case and mm -hmm. then they come to an English speaking country with English speaking schools and so then their first language tends to start dropping and becoming their second language and English becomes their dominant language mm -hmm. and of course because unless you're taking Spanish three times a week in a classroom and you're getting it at home that's as much as you're getting of that language homeschooling allows you to also expose your child to your heritage language and your heritage culture a lot more than if they mm -hmm. were in public school. And mind you, I'm I'm not a hater of public schools. I think that our education system needs a lot of reforming and there mm -hmm. are people that public school works for them and that's the only option they have. So that's great. Supplements are always great for after school. But I do feel like being Latinos that have the privilege and the opportunity to homeschool they tend to um, now be able to really expose their children to so much more and to be real multilinguals and multicultural human beings in our society that can be global. I mean, mm -hmm. we were able to take two and a half weeks off last year in the middle of the quote unquote school year and mm -hmm. go to Japan. My son's oh, been wow. learning Japanese with me 
And he loved being able to apply his Japanese in Japan. He was talking it up with all the restaurant owners, with the people in the crowds. Um, he was able to try all of this great food, learn culture. I mean, he came back a completely different person from that trip. And that's not something that we would ever have been able to do if we were in the typical nine to five public school and only mm -hmm. having summers off. Um, so I, I would urge um, any Latino homeschool parents or possible potential homeschool parents listening that we are a, we are a growing community. Um, it, there are ways to talk to your grandparents and to the great grandparents because my parents were definitely not on board with this when mm -hmm. I told them about it. And now they see our, they see my son and they say, he's probably the most respectful, most intellectual, most well-versed kid I've ever met. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because of what homeschooling does for him. So mm -hmm. it's absolutely possible. That, that is just a wonderful testimony. And as you were talking, I was thinking it makes sense. I think for, um, a family who is new to this country to take some time to homeschool their child and instill their values, work on language, as you're saying, you know, spend more time on that, build their confidence because, you know, I was most attracted to homeschooling from the very beginning because we know that of the educational choices that we have, it is the best for building a student's self-esteem. So if we have a child who feels confident, they know the language, both languages, um, they've been able to explore, spend more time on things that are really interesting to them, then they could go to public school if that is your choice and probably do a lot better. Exactly, because at that point, they already, they know who they are. They're not really trying to give up everything and even at times even change their names or mm. hide their accents mm. in order to be able to fit in more. They have much more empowerment about who they are, their language, their identity, and then be able to go to school if, if that's what they choose um, and be successful there, like you said. I think that that's a, a major misstep that sometimes we miss, that we we're working so hard to get them to assimilate that we lose ourselves and our identity in the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that it would also apply. I know there are families who just say, okay, public school disaster. <laughs> my child's getting bullied. My child has a learning disability that isn't being addressed. It's just right. not working. And possibly before you would put that same child into a private school, you know, no matter what, what the situation is with your family, it might make sense to spend some time homeschooling and build mm -hmm. up their confidence and, you know, work on skills that may be lacking that weren't addressed in the public school before you go ahead and do that. So I, I feel like you've um, given all of us some real food for thought and I very much appreciate it. So um, I want to know, if someone is listening who wants to get in touch with you and they want to talk with you about whether that is um, they're a working mom and how can I make this work? Do you think I can make this work? <laughs> um, or I am a Latina mom and I, you know, I'm worried about my family's reaction to this. I don't know if it's the best thing. How can they reach you in the best way? 
And I will provide all of these links for you because I know that sometimes seeing the link is a lot easier, but they can get in contact with me um, through my LinkedIn profile and just send me a quick message or add me on LinkedIn. Um, they can send me a message to my personal email, which I will include, but it's cchamon.zamora at gmail. And my organization, again, is called actful, A-C-T-F-L dot O-R-G. And you could easily find me there. And in fact, we are one of the main uh, focus points for this year for my organization is to work on providing a platform for homeschoolers, for homeschool oh. parents who are interested in either Cult, you know, cultivating uh, an environment for multilingual homeschoolers or that they are already multilinguals and how to be able to continue that. So we're mm -hmm. trying to come up with resources on how to best educate, um, how to teach a language, how to acquire a language, even when you yourself don't speak that language or how to be able to access resources that you can outsource language learning. Um, so they can obviously go to that website and find me there and send me an email there or I will provide those other um, resources as well. Wonderful. And I will add all of that information and the links to the show notes for this episode. Well, Celia, this was really a pleasure for me. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and letting me know that you have this passion and this information to share with our listeners. And I know that people have really enjoyed getting to know you. And thank you so much for having me. And I, I am so excited to continue listening to all of your episodes too. So, because <laughs> we, we always keep learning. So, that's right. That's right. We do. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you. To find the resources that Celia recommends, visit the show notes page at homeschoolsanity.com slash work and homeschool. Have a happy homeschool week. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I hope something you heard was encouraging. If you have a personal question to follow up, don't hesitate to message me. I'm at Homeschool Sanity on social media. Be sure to check my free resource page at homeschoolsanity.com resource and find Sanity Saving Curriculum at fundalearnbooks.com. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.